find people who have a similar future to you, not people who have a similar past. Connect with the people who are going where you want to go, not reminding you where you've been. And build into those relationships and move forward. Um, find the people, find the tools to rewrite your money story. Your business will grow as your relationship with money grows. And um, don't be afraid to do to do the work, to dig in. It, it can actually be fun. As scary as it might have made it sound today, it's also super rewarding to have a life full of women like you and me that are doing these kind of things together and these kinds of collaborations and inspiration. And I mean, when you get together with people and you're talking about ideas and concepts and future and things you're building, I mean, how much more exciting is that? Hi, I'm Lindsay Berry. Welcome back to another episode of the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about money, which is a subject we've been talking about more on the podcast lately, and I'm really excited to introduce you to Leah Tabitha. We are going to be doing an interview in the beginning of the episode, which is kind of also our commercial that was for a live virtual workshop, which we taught, and then we're going to go into the actual workshop content. So it's going to be really, really meaty today. Grab your notebook and pen and let's dive in. I come from a world where women were stay-at-home wives and mothers. That's what we were raised and taught to be. And so anything outside of that was a foreign language to me. I didn't even know where to begin. And so when I found myself a single mom with three kids and needed to provide, I was stuck. I didn't want to go to work for the nine to five and do the paycheck every two weeks and put my kids into daycare after school programs. I wanted to be there and be with my children. Um, and <laughs> The irony is as an entrepreneur, I probably put in more hours, but I like the flexibility. I like the fact that I can work my calendar around whatever's going on with my family. Um, for instance, for example, today is my daughter's birthday and we had this originally planned for later on today. And I was like, Lindsay, you know, I'd love to pick her up from school and surprise her and take out my little girl. And she rolled, she rolled with that. You can't do that when you're in a nine to five office environment. And so I knew for me, my number one priority was flexibility with my schedule. Um, I knew that I had raised my children with a stay-at-home mom for so many years that I didn't want to lose that overnight with them and just go straight into that nine-to-five world. Um, but I knew that I, I also needed financial stability. I do. I needed to provide for my kids as a single mom. So I had a lot on my plate that I had to try to navigate and figure out. And it has not been easy. <laughs> it has been a rocky road to try to figure out what that's supposed to look like. Um, I... Uh, I'd like to say it all went smoothly. <laughs> I'd like to say that out of the gate, I just burst forward into this wonderful world of my own business and everything just took off overnight. It was simple, but it wasn't. Um, it's taken a lot of learning um, and a lot of, um, <laughs> of self-discovery, which is part of why we're having this conversation today, because we wanted to share that part um, with people and, yes. and talk about that nitty gritty stuff too. Yes, we're, we're here to be real with you all and yeah. share stories about the hard times as much as the fun times and let's be mm -hmm. honest starting a business it's not the easy route no but it is uh it's something that some of us are called to do and we can try to ignore it we can try to go back and forth between being entrepreneurs and having jobs and if you're a true entrepreneur at heart you are never fully fully fulfilled i don't know if you can say that but you're never like fully full of the awesomeness that you know you were you know created to be if you're not in an entrepreneur role and you have you know you started um your first ever business and you did that really successfully for a while and then you started up a totally different business and then you ended up going back to the job world so can you tell us about kind of your your like that whole transition i know that's going to be a really long story but i want you to tell all of it 
No, that's great. Thank you. I think um, I the MLM world is a great place for people that have that entrepreneurial spirit, but don't necessarily have their own business idea to get started. Um, it gave me those things. It gave me the flexibility, working from home, being able to work with my kids. Um, it was a great opportunity and a good place to learn. It wasn't for me in the long term. Um, it turns out that my calling was a bit different than the business I had started in the beginning. But when I did get into that, it was it was a great tool for for what it was. Um, that that ended up shifting. Um, some sometimes MLMs are not necessarily stable. Products can shift. You know, rules change, whatever it might be. So my business did. I exploded overnight and then all of a sudden I found myself again going ah now what so I was back to ground zero and rebuilding um, and in that space I uh, went to school and became a practitioner and that's when I started to become a healer and learn my journey um, and I knew that was my calling so there's this, this funny space between when you find what you want to do and you find that drive and that passion and then transferring that into actually making money how do you take this idea and this passion and this calling and then go pay your rent or your mortgage and there's a space in there and that space is the scary place that we wanted to talk about today where what do you do how do you hold on in that in that medium area i met you actually last summer when i was in that space where i was saying i think i need the nine to five i need to go get that job um part of it was i thought i had to prove to myself that i could there was something valid I guess about working for someone else that was saying that I was worthy rather than if I was my own boss building my own business did it really count did you know are you the king of your kingdom if you're the only person in it was kind of how I was feeling at the time um and so I did I went to work nine to five and I was miserable <laughs> I was trying so hard to not be miserable but I worked um right throughout the whole summer I realized I didn't have the flexibility I wanted with my kids I didn't have the ability to um to have a long weekend whenever I wanted. I, you know, I'd have permission to go for a lunch break. I wasn't used to that. That wasn't my world. And not that there's anything wrong with that. For some people, that that is absolutely the place that they should be. But for me, it just didn't feel right. Um, and then I met you at uh, Lake Kukanusa last summer, and you were this vivacious, vibrant, just this this ball of energy that I met. That was like, hey, I help women follow their dreams and build their businesses. And I was, like, oh, that's interesting. I'm so glad we met. Um, and on the way home from the houseboat, coming back to Calgary, I knew I was done. And um, I said, I'm, I have to quit this job and I need to go all in on my business and build this full time. Now that again, that's not available for everyone. Um, this is my own story. Please do not <laughs> watch this video and run around and go, go quit your job. Let's get some kind of another backup plan. Um, but I did, I already had enough clientele, enough things that I was doing evenings and weekends that I could jam that into my weekdays and then just start. I had to build quickly in order to get momentum. And that's where you came in. Kind of let us know um, about what was hardest, what was most difficult about you um, fully jumping in with two feet into your business and not having that kind of that backboard over there that you know was the job and the paycheck like what was what was the most challenging what were the most challenging parts of that i think and it's still where i struggle this is still something i'm getting better at every day my biggest thing was accountability um and feeling valid so uh if i i've, I've learned this about myself if i have someone that i'm accountable to then i show up every time if i'm in a competition environment i'll kill it if it's just me looking at me in the mirror every day going, eh, no one's watching, you could sleep in for an extra hour or two, I'll sell myself out. And I've learned that about myself, that's my story. And I know that this comes in, it's a play into our, our relationship with money, um, whether or not we feel like we're worthy of 
wealth, whether we are worthy of that success. Um, a lot of it comes from my childhood story and the work that I've had to do in my journey. Um, but I do know that about myself. I've learned that about myself in my business, which is why I've partnered with Lindsay at YYC Fempreneurs. I need her accountability. I need I need those weekly check-ins. I need that coach that's saying, hey, have you done your post today? Hey, have you sent out your emails today? Um, and until it becomes habit. So I think everyone should find some kind of a system that they use as support in the beginning to get that momentum and get it going. Once it becomes habit, I'm pretty good at things. I can keep I can keep it going. But in the beginning, man, do I fight uphill both ways um, with yeah, not being accountable to myself to show up. And then am I worthy and valid of the success and things that are going to come with it? And so um, I think that's the struggle with with that entrepreneurial environment is you know who's patting you on the back, who's checking in and saying job well done. What milestones are you using to see, you know, what makes your business successful? What makes you feel like you're doing well? What what are your what are your achievements that you're looking for? Those goals we talked about. What are your selfish goals that you set for yourself that you know that you're hitting so you know you're doing well? Yeah. Um, one of them for me was a thousand followers on Instagram. That was a big thing. When I first started, I had I think 280 people on my account. And I was like, oh, if I could hit 500, I remember crawling and crawling and crawling, and then all of a sudden I was like, a thousand? What? You know, one day I'm gonna look at it and be like, 10,000, this is amazing. So, you know, what are your milestones that you're setting for yourself? Yeah. I know this is a, that's a long answer for your question, but that's probably yeah. my, my biggest thing. Oh, that's, that's excellent because, yeah, you really did mix in, you know, a lot of those, we call them selfish reasons. And on the other side of that is the, are the servant heart reasons, meaning, you know, what kind of impact you want to have on the world, on the lives of the clients that you work with. But like over here, the selfish stuff, you know, um, and again, it's not selfish to want to be there for your kids. That's a, that's a servant heart reason. You want to be a great mom. You want to have a business right. that you can work around being a mom and driving them to, you know, volleyball practice and picking them up on their birthday and, and doing like, you want to have that. And so I think all the fempreneurs, or the budding fempreneurs watching this can relate to that, whether it be they have, you know, human children or fur babies or their aunts or, or they have, you know, neighbors that have, uh, you know, like people that they want to spend time with and they want to have they want to have the flexibility to do so. So I think that that's really important. Um, later, I'm going to ask you more about those servant heart reasons. But right now. Um, I want you to dive a little bit more into the key takeaways, like the good, the bad, the ugly, the do's, the don'ts, those kind of startup steps, um, even the ones that you took that didn't turn out to be ones you would recommend other entrepreneurs take. Um, take us back to the MLM that you were building. How did you get that started? Tell us kind of those startup secrets. I think um, being willing to put yourself out there is super important. And listening to the little voice inside your head that says, oh, nobody wants to hear what you're talking about or, you know, nobody wants to, you're going you're gonna to bug them, leave them alone. Um, that was the worst enemy because people were grateful when I was offering something that could help. And a lot of people don't even know that they need the help until you offer it. And they go, oh, yeah, I actually do struggle with that. I just thought that was normal. And you're like, no, not normal here. This works for me. Thank you. So I looked at it like if, if the roles were reversed and someone had a tool that was working well for them and they didn't share it with me, then I would actually be upset. I would say, you know, did you not care about me enough to think that I deserve to be helped or that I would have been grateful for the assistance? Like I'm struggling over here. Why wouldn't you throw me a life preserver? And so I've always tried to stay in a realm of whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm offering people, if the role was reversed, I would want someone to me and I and so that really helped me to start getting out of my own way and knowing 
um, that what I'm doing is for a purpose outside of just, I guess, you have to be on your own growth journey. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see a business growing well unless you are growing well as a person too. I think that they are uh, hand in hand together. I think my journey with my business is a direct reflection of my growth in my personal life. I think they are a mirror reflection of each other. I think the more powerful that I get, the more confident I get, the stronger I get, the more healing I do, uh, the more learning, the more growing. I think you should always have three or four books on the go at all times. You should always be consuming information, listening to podcasts. The more growth, the more connection, the more relationships I make, the more my business flourishes. Um, so I would say that that's another thing. You don't stay small. Don't stay in your own little world. Don't stay off by yourself in a corner hoping people are going to come find you. Get out there. Get loud. Connect. Make friends. Network. Hang out with the feminists that are throwing the dating event on the speed dating event on Thursday night. I mean, what a great place to go out and meet other women and say, what do you do? Well, what do you do? I've met the most fabulous women um, that have turned into great friends throughout you know, those situations. So um, I would say that was some of the pitfalls was trying to stay really quiet and small and over in the corner. and like, what if nobody wants to hear what I have to say? And what if like, no, no, they, they might not. But the one next to them might. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. Um, I would say some things I've done right uh, is creating a team, creating a community, getting connection, finding out what I'm good at and doing it, what I'm not good at and outsourcing it, mm-hmm. um, finding an accountability partner like you, having a coach that's in my corner that says, hey, you can do this. Did you show up for yourself today? Uh, that's been vital. That's been really, really big. Um, and then I would also say something that goes hand in hand whenever you're trying to grow a business, you have to look at business like it's its own life source. A business is its own life outside of you. And so whatever that energy source is that's sitting there, whatever you pour into that, if you um, don't give it the right nutrients and the right water and the right sunshine and the right things, it won't grow. And one of the things that I believe is vital for any kind of business growth is your money story. If you don't have your relationship with money healthy and strong and vibrant, I don't believe your business can grow because it doesn't matter how big it gets, you're going to kill it. So for me, one of my biggest things in the last year has been my relationship with money, my childhood story. What did I grow up watching in my home as an example of what was business? What was entrepreneurship? Was it celebrated or was it scoffed? Yeah. Um, Tell us about that. Tell us about what you saw growing up. And just a quick plug before you do that. um, Go to leahtabitha.com. Learn about how Leah helps people release trauma helps them heal, helps them do all the things we're talking about also so that you can sign up for the free event we're doing on May 25th at noon. Okay, back to you. Uh, Can I plug you too and tell everybody else to go to follow your account because all of your stuff that you put on there is fabulous. All the free content that you're putting out constantly to support people that are growing their businesses. I think it's, your tools are absolutely vital. So um, they should absolutely be be following you as well. I was just at home visiting my family recently. Uh, They live in a different province from me. And my mom was sharing a story. My sister, my mom, and I were sitting around talking. And it was for Mother's Day. We were hanging out together. And we were talking about what it was like to be a mom and raising kids. And all three of us are now mothers. So this this is new. And my mom was sharing a story. We were talking about money growing up as a kid. And my mom was telling us a story about how, as a mom, we can frame whatever we want for our children depending on the energy and story we tell our kids and she said one of the most favorite things she used to do when we were little was she would bake us biscuits fresh biscuits out of the oven and they were our favorite things in the world and we would all come running and just devour them and what we 
didn't know as kids was that my mother didn't have any food left in the kitchen. So she had actually taken flour and water and mixed it together with the right consistency that she had baked us biscuits that were just flour and water with nothing else on them. But as long as we ate them within a few seconds of coming hot out of the oven, we thought that they were a home-baked treat. And so, so my mom was using as an example of, it doesn't matter how hard it gets, you know, you'll find a way, frame it, tell yourself the positive story, pick your energy. Um, but I had no idea that it was that bad when I was little. I just thought that my mom baked me these delicious warm biscuits that to me were delicious. She told me they were hockey pucks. She said you had to eat them within seconds of coming out of the oven. It was literally just flour and water. And we thought they were amazing. Oh. My little sister tried it and she said, mom, I knew we were broke when we had fries for dinner because we thought my mom was like, oh, we're gonna have a cheap, like we're gonna have a fun meal. We're just gonna have homemade French fries. What we didn't know was that it was $4 for a bag of russet potatoes and my mom could feed all five kids with just the potatoes and so she would make us homemade french fries for dinner and we would pick out thinking that it was amazing to have just french fries and that was all she could afford to feed us for dinner that night so i grew up in a home that was very much feast or famine my dad was commission sales he would get a paycheck my mom would go out and get us our winter coats our shoes she would stock up the pantry she would make sure every cupboard was full, whatever we needed, because we never knew when the next paycheck was coming in. And sometimes there was way too much space between them and we were eating flour and water. And so I watched my dad attempt to be an entrepreneur um, and he wasn't good at it. And so I knew in my brain, small business meant struggle, entrepreneur meant feast or famine. One minute I can be on top of the world and I can do amazing, but hold my breath because the next minute you're gonna be broke. And that was my whole childhood all the way through up until um, my marriage actually recreated the same story. It was always feast or famine. It was, we were going to be fine. Bills were paid. We can afford to go on a vacation. Or I was literally having people bring food to my house to feed my kids. I've had many times where I didn't have food to give my children. So my money story was all over the place. Um, and I knew I didn't, I don't have, didn't, um, still, still working on this. Is, this is an in-progress thing for me, but didn't have a healthy relationship with money. Um, I grew up in a very um, strong religious environment that had overtones of rich meant evil and mm -hmm. too much money meant you were you were buying into the devil's world instead of God's world of that servant heart, broke Christian. I, I grew up in that world of, you know, money did not equal goodness. So even if there was extra money, there had to be guilt or shame attached to that. Um, so there's a lot of layers I've had to work through. And I can tell you they are workable. You can rewrite them. Um, I don't think that those stories, those old stories that we grew up with our parents' generation, I don't think they're healthy. I don't think they'll apply to our world anymore. Um, our parents were the last generation of, you went to a warehouse and you worked for 40 years and you got your gold watch and you retired and then that was it. You had a pension, you had, you know, all these things set up for you. That's not our generation. That's not our kids' world. So I believe that it's vital that we rewrite our money stories and we pass something new onto our children because they are growing up in an entirely different reality. Um, so. I'm proud to be able to create that change in my home for my kids. That money story ends with me. Did you know that the best way to help other fempreneurs find this podcast is by following or subscribing? If you love these weekly doses of marketing power, guess what? Other fempreneurs are going to love them too. And you have the power to help them find this podcast. Thank you so much for helping us empower more women to build their dream businesses. All right, let's get back to today's episode.
Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, because this was really an aha moment for me, um, looking back on the way my mom has kind of watched me, and, I, and I'm very similar to you in that I have not, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was, um, uh, like, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 21 years old. So I started my own mobile hairstyling company when I was 21. But before that, I was in Amway for a few years, um, actively trying to build build it as a business in the beginning, but coming into the Amway business, even though it was new and exciting for me, there were a lot of people that were older than me who did not feel the same excitement for Amway. They'd had family members and friends who yep. had um, just had really negative experiences with it. And so even though I was excited and I could see how it could work, I had to take those fundamentals and those things that excited me about it. And I had to create my own entrepreneurial journey with those pieces, which I'm proud to say that I have done and I'm still doing today. And I have no regrets about being part of Amway. It's the reason why I read How to Win Friends and Influence People um, by Dale Carnegie, which is such an amazing book. So if you haven't read it, um, definitely check it out. Not you, Leah. I'm speaking kind of to our, our audience right now. Um, but I wanted to say that my mom, because she's a farm girl, she was raised, you know, out in the middle of nowhere and walking uphill in the snow with no shoes both ways to school and all that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, foraging for food in the forest sometimes because they didn't have any food in the house at all. There were times when they were almost starving. Um, she equates money with struggle. So basically, if you're not struggling to make the money, the money is basically like, it's icky. It's shameful. You should be embarrassed that you have that money that you didn't struggle for. And so I never really realized this about her until really recently. And I was like, oh, that's why she's always been kind of like just hard on me for the way the ways that I've earned my money because I've purposely because of the Amway brainwashing. Thank God for Amway brainwashing, by the way, um, taught me that I needed to do things I loved. Yeah for money. I needed to do things that I felt were my natural skill sets so that it didn't feel like a struggle to make money. And that to my mom to this day, she's just like, like, you know, so many generations of struggle for money. She can't, I don't know that she will. I'm sure she can. I shouldn't say she can't. I'm sure she can rewire her brain, but she doesn't want to. Yeah. She thinks that it's good and it's right. Yeah. So if you're like me and you're coming from um, parents that were maybe farmers or just worked physically hard for their money their whole lives um i think you have you have a lot of work to do and i would love to have you come and hang out with us for an hour on may 25th and start to sort of see what your money story could look like in the areas of your money um mindset that you could definitely shift in order to allow more abundance and money to come into your life so that's my little story that i wanted to share Um, I know in my industry, being a healer, you're supposed to be the broke healer, the struggling healer. You know, you, you have to be the, the the martyr, the giver, the, um, you know, I do this out of the kindness of my heart, not because I need to pay my mortgage. Well, no, guess what? I have bills to pay too. And because of the service I can provide for you, you will also turn around and go and be more, you know, wealthy in your own life in whatever area that may be. So I think, I think it's very important to understand um, what does what does the word money trigger in you? What pops into your head when you hear the word money? And then what does what does the word rich trigger in you? Because those are two different things, right? We have money tends to be connected to the the poor and the struggle and the paying of your bills. Rich is generally connected to the guilt, the shame, 
the um, oh maybe I have to hide that. Um, it can also tend to make people feel like if they're rich, they're going to end up alone mm-hmm. because I have to leave the the safety of the family bubble that I've always been in, or the friends I've always had, or the job I hold. If I'm rich, suddenly I won't fit in there anymore. So I need to keep yes. the same temperature setting that my whole life has because if I change, I'll lose all these things around me. So people are actually that was a huge block for me. I remember that when I was writing my first book. I had just hired my first ever business coach and he was really helping me with a lot of this stuff. He was correcting my, my language sometimes being like, don't say that you're speaking what you don't want into existence. And like, so he was really helpful. Um, and he didn't say blatantly, you know, you need to be careful who you hang out with. But I realized instantly that when I said I had a business coach, I was writing a book, like my friend circle at that time, all started looking at me kind of like, yep. Oh, who are you? you to think that you're going to be some rich successful person and i was like "Ooh, interesting so i have to stay little and struggle to be part of this club well i'm out i'm I'm not i'm I'm out and it's not that i left those friends forever um some of them i guess i did kind of but i took a break from a lot of them and that was the most exponential growth that i had ever experienced in my life to this day looking back on that those decisions like you had said at the beginning, like one of the biggest startup tips that you have for people is, is find your tribe, surround yourself with people that are helping you and who want to see you succeed. I, I had to do that quite quickly. And the financial gains that came from that were quite quick. I was very surprised when I stopped hanging out with all those people that were always broke and always, you know, complaining about not having enough money, but always having money for beer shopping me. (laughs) Right. But you know, like it was so quick, the changes I saw in my life just from, yeah, I was taking a lot of action that I hadn't been taking before. I was working my butt off. I wasn't just changing my friend circle and voila, everything was amazing. But um, yeah, it was really interesting. I do want to, um, because one thing that comes up often with entrepreneurs and being that we're talking about a free event right now is this whole concept of free doesn't work as a marketing tool. And that is hundred percent false. Um, Leah and I both are living proof that that is hundred percent false. I think that if you're afraid to give things away for free, there's a money block there that you need to be careful about. Um, as long as you provide something that people can step into if they partake in this free gift and they want more of you, they want to buy something from you, they want to kind of level up. As long as you have those other things available to them, free is awesome. And free is a really great way to meet people. Um, do you want to share anything about that? Or is there anything yeah. coming up for you around the whole That is a powerful concept that I learned through you because there's a lot of people out there that say oh don't give anything away for free don't undercut your value people won't respect you and they won't value you if you give it away for free um, I can tell you that in my career with what I do I change people's lives and I do it for a living it's what I do my clients come to me and within a matter of sessions their lives have changed I can tell you though that they have blocks in order to be able to receive that sometimes so when you approach from this perspective of here let me give you a little taste for free and you go huh well, that tasted good. That felt safe. I'm okay now. All of a sudden, clients are willing to work with me from all over the place because I broke down a barrier that prevented them from being able to reach out. So figure out what barriers are around your business where people have a hard time reaching out and coming. You taught me a lot of that. You have too many clicks. They're not going to find you. Too many, Whatever the barriers may be, start breaking those down through free offers, like you said. But then also, I'd like to add on the flip side of that, don't undervalue yourself when they do engage. I was charging not nearly enough 
for my services. I was probably 80% below what the market value was for what I do. Um, and even now, I think that my my services are very generous with what I'm offering, what I see other people charging. Um, but I do believe that your worth will absolutely equate in that value when you show up, like you said, to support them on the follow through. Um, so your free content and the things you shared with me and who you were as a person and your rawness and your availability to share who you are on Instagram and to get out there and just be yourself. I'm a private client of yours now. I come to you every month and say, please help me grow. I wouldn't have done that if I didn't see what it was you were offering me. And I saw that through your free content that you put out on Instagram all the time where you said, hey, what about this? Hey, try that. Your little stories that you put up all the time, your posts that you're putting up, the little free video classes that you offer. I participated in those and I was like, holy crap, there's some seriously good content here. All of a sudden now I'm a private client. So that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a free offer. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do. I believe that plays out strongly and I love the idea of changing the energy around that word. That's a really good, really good idea, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really, and even, I actually had, like, my first business coach was actually one of those people who was like, you shouldn't give things away for free. <laughs> so there were a lot of things that he taught me that were awesome, and there were a lot of things that he was saying that I was like, it doesn't feel right for me. That doesn't feel like how I'm going to do things. So I did eventually, like, everything to do with social media was not, he was not a fan of anything else. He, he wasn't even on social media. Um, he looked at some of my social media stuff that I would show him on my phone because I was like showing him because I was like, holy cow, look at all this. And like, look at all these new Instagram followers, or not, I wasn't even on Instagram, sorry, um, LinkedIn followers. And look at my email list is growing like crazy. He didn't even know how to do online marketing. He was like old school. Like helping me write a book, you know, he would be doing like flyers and like, and, and everything he was teaching me was good. But the free piece really um, came to me when I hired someone on Upwork to help me set up MailChimp. And she was like, Well, what's your lead magnet going to be? And I was like, What's a lead magnet? Like, what? And she was like, Well, how, why are people going to join your email list? And I was like, Because well, I'm awesome. Like, I don't know. Like, what, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? She was like, well, you're writing a book. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, why don't you give away free excerpts of your book in exchange for, you know, basically they join the email list. They like that whole month, all the newbies get this chunk of the book the next month. And this is a system that I've used over and over again. I've helped eight women write books. We've done this for all of them. It's super effective. People want sneak peeks of things, yeah. um, especially if your book is going to help them do something. They're going to want those those sneak peeks. So that worked. I grew an email list of about 350 people in about five months just by doing that. And I mean, so free does work. It has to be positioned properly, yeah. um, attaching a dollar value to it. So I think back then I was saying like a free chapter of my, my book and I was saying like $20 value or something. Like nowadays I would value that like $50. But yeah, attaching a dollar value helps people understand like this, although I'm not, I'm, although I'm not paying for it, it's still something that's valuable that I'm getting for free. Um, so just to give you all a quick marketing tip, free does work. Leah and I are both living proof of that. There's lots of ways to use free to get people to come into your community. And, and like Leah said, it's like, you know, it's like going to Costco and you sample whatever and you're like, that's really good. I'm going to buy that. It's no different. So yep. let people taste test what you have to offer. Don't give them hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of your brain weight for free. Um, 
And then, yeah, have like a 20 or $50, you know, next step up from free. Like for me, I have a 60 minute video marketing course. It's 50 bucks. It's packed with hundreds of dollars worth of stuff that took me years to figure out, but it's there. It's available to fempreneurs. And if they love that, there's a couple other steps up from that on the ladder for them. So. so let's dive into the actual money workshop, which Leah and I taught a couple months ago now. We're not going to go into everything here on the podcast today, but you are going to get a few of the key points that were the real big mind blowers for some of these ladies that attended. And then we're going to invite you to another workshop, a completely free workshop, just like the one you're hearing today, but you're going to get all of it and you're going to get it live so you can ask questions, you can participate. And so we hope to see you there. It's happening on July 19th and the link to sign up is in the show notes. We're going to start by discussing um, that there's a money story that we're going to talk about today. Everyone's here because we're wanting to learn how to interact in a healthy way with money and build a healthy, strong relationship with money. I firmly believe that your business grows as much as your relationship with money can grow and your relationship with money grows as your relationship with self grows. So all of these things are very intertwined and they work really well together. So if you're comfortable, um, of, of course, if your answers are too personal, please don't feel like you have to, but if you'd like to have a more personalized experience today, please pop your answers into the chat for me. So the first question I'm gonna ask everybody, if you guys just want to, sometimes closing your eyes helps when we shut off that sensory and then that way your brain just goes, okay, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I ask the question? Um, the first question I'm going to ask, oh, and I also want to say, sorry, I also want to say, if you don't have time to complete the answer, get the question and write it down. That way at the end of the session, you can go through this on your own time, maybe later tonight, if you're not at Lindsay's amazing speed dating event in Airdrie later. Um, if you're not doing that, then uh, if you want to just get the question written down and get the energy of the question, what am I trying to get you to achieve on an energetic level? And then later on, Go through the questions yourself and just take more time with each of the answers and go in deep because each time you do these exercises, you're going to come up with, with more and it's going to go a little bit deeper for you every time. So don't be afraid to, to play around with it. Um, and there's no right or wrong. Whatever pops up first, go with that. You can always do it again later and get a different answer if you'd like. So that all being said, let's jump right in. Um, the first question I'm going to ask is, I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you this question and it's probably going to be a yes or no answer and it's going to pop quickly. So let's not second guess it. Just go in there right away. Um, the first question I'm going to ask you is, do you have the right to be wealthy and successful? Feel free to pop into the chat and type yes or no. And it's interesting because we think we, think we know ourselves until we start to do these questions. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing. I appreciate, I appreciate that vulnerability. Thank you, Shannon. Perfect. Pop those in there. Also, for those of you that don't know Lindsay, I want to introduce her. This is Lindsay of YYC Fempreneurs. Give us a little wave, Lindsay. She's my business coach, my mentor, my accountability partner. She is the lady that is responsible for helping me achieve my recent development and growth in my business. So I recommend anyone who has a business that they're trying to grow, if they want, if they're interested in networking, expanding their, their contacts in Calgary, uh, whatever it might be, you need to be following Lindsay on Instagram at YYC Fempreneurs. She's absolutely fabulous at what she does. So definitely get in contact with her. Um, and then for those of you who are coming in from Lindsay's world, but don't know myself, I am Leah Tabitha of leahtabitha.com. I am a certified trauma release practitioner, and I specialize in helping people break through their barriers. Whatever it is that's holding them back in life, I don't care if it's physical, emotional, mental, you bring your problems to me. We break through them, we get rid of them, and we move on into a healthier, more abundant chapter of life where we live the life that we are choosing. Next question, close your eyes. And I want you to hear the question 
And then you're going to write this one down. And I want you to write down whatever pops for you right away. When I say this word and when I ask you this question, what comes up for you? What does money mean to you? Whatever pops quick. I want you to not second guess. I don't want you to think about perfect. Thank you, Sarah, for that quick answer. The faster the answer, the more that that is your initial program. That's your quick go-to. When we sit in the answer, we think about it. We come up with what we think we're supposed to say. So your first initial is probably either that inner child, that subconscious mind, whatever's going on in the background. And then when we sit with it, we think we're like, oh, no, that answer was a little bit cheesy, or I should say this instead. That's not necessarily your truth. So whatever pops first, what does money mean to you? And then the next one, and I know it might sound like it's similar, but it's not. This is a very different word and has a very different energy wrapped around it. Your next question is, what does being rich mean to you? Whatever pops for you first, what does being rich mean to you? Now, as you look at those questions later, you might find it's interesting that people have an aversion to being rich. Maybe there's a connotation attached to that word. Maybe being rich means being evil or being a shyster or, um, you know, not being a good person, whatever it might be. But maybe money itself is something that feels vital to you. You have a different relationship with rich and with money. Those are two very separate things. So we're going to analyze each of those a little bit today. And I want the next question to be the program we're going to address today. So you're probably going to find that this is going to be one of the roots that are in your money story. Okay. So this is something where it's often an if, then, or, not and. I'm going to explain what I mean by that in a minute. What belief is blocking me from making money? What pops up for you when I say, what's blocking you from money? So there's something between you and a whole room full of cash. And what stops you from opening that door? What pops for you first? It could be playing small. It could be that money is evil. Could be that you grew up in a religious environment where you heard that scripture over and over again that it's easier for a rich man to enter, or it's hard. How does that work? Well, it's harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, or however that works. Whatever those, whatever those programs are in you as a kid. And if you don't actually know, Jess, that's totally fine. Actually, just write down the question. So get the question, leave a blank space, and as we go through this today, those answers might pop for you later. Sometimes the subconscious mind can actually create a block for us where it won't even let us see what that answer is in order to protect us from addressing that part of our person or feeling the pain that's connected to that answer. Yes, it's easier for the camera to go through any deal than for rich men to drive. Exactly. So maybe these programs, these stories that you heard, they are playing in your mind without you even realizing it. So some of you have done personal development work. Thank you, Lindsay. Very honest. It won't be fun. It's too hard. I have to sacrifice my free time and my health. I don't want to have to show up every day all the time and work hard, work hard, work hard. Money equals working hard. That's a very common one. And you definitely shouldn't be having any fun. Whatever you ladies do, do not have any fun when you make money. Okay, so the next one that we're going to go into, and this is going to be an interesting one. There tends to be an if or program that runs when it comes to money. And this is one I, I mentioned earlier. It's something along the lines of if I have lots of money, I will, and there's going to be something that you will possibly lose. So I'm going to explain it as a reframe. 
I can have lots of money and still be a good mom. I can have lots of money and keep my friends. Maybe you're worried that your social circle, you can't relate to anybody anymore if you're not broke and struggling. I can have lots of money and be a good Christian. Maybe you're in a religious environment where there's this program of, you know, you can't have both. I can have lots of money and still have freedom and spare time. I can have lots of money and still live life on my own terms. I can have lots of money and fill in the blank. What is your body telling you you're worried that you'd end up either losing out on, not having any more? What would you have to give up in order to have a lot of money? I, if, if I'm rich, I will be too busy to spend time with my family. If I'm rich, my family, my immediate family that I grew up with will abandon me because I'm supposed to struggle and be broken poor like all my brothers and sisters and parents and family has been. If I'm suddenly rich, they won't relate to me anymore. I can be rich and still belong in my family. I can be rich and, and if you don't have the answer right away, that's okay. Leave a blank space. We'll fill it in later. I just want you guys to get these questions because as long as we get the question process, we're getting the brain going and we're starting to dig into self. And sometimes these things will come up for us later and that's, that's completely okay. The next thing I want you guys to write down, this question is interesting. Awesome, Tammy. Still be present with my friends and family. Ah, very good, Sarah. If I'm rich, I'll be more visible. I cling to invisibility. Mm. That, is, that is a common one for a lot of women, especially. So I appreciate that share. Thank you. I want you to go back into your childhood. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to find the energy that was in your home, your childhood home when you were a kid. I want you to find the energy around money that was in your home. And then I want you to quickly answer the first two or three things that pop into your mind that you remember your parents saying or doing around money. What was a common phrase you heard in your home growing up? What was a saying your mom had? What was, you know, one of mine, I remember my parents saying, oh, there's, there's never enough money at the, or there's always too much month at the end of money. There's always too much month at the end of money was a common one I heard often in my home. Or, um, you know, we can't afford that. We're broke. Whatever the sayings were, the common behaviors. If Merrick works more, he won't be home enough. If I have to work to make money, I won't be perfect. The role of the, the wife, the stay-at-home mom, the feminine energy versus the, the entrepreneur, the badass moneymaker. Are you allowed to do both? Are you allowed to be a wife, a mother, and an entrepreneur, and a badass money-making mom? That's a great one, Sydney. A lot of women struggle with that, especially in our generation. We really, we are the ones shifting that from our grandmothers who just stayed home and raised babies, and that's what they were supposed to do. So there's a lot of confusion around money for women in our generation. Yes, money is struggle. Rich people are assholes. That is powerful. You didn't get rich unless you did something shysty, something that made you an asshole. That is a very common theme. So do you have three things that you remember from your childhood home? Okay, everybody has their root childhood program now. Yep, perfect. Okay. If we don't give money to the church, we are robbing God. How powerful is that program, Sarah? Very powerful. So guilt, right? We've got a lot of guilt and shame wrapped around money. Okay, and once we've got those three things that you remember your parents telling you about money, here's the next one we're going to pop into. I want you to think now about your current everyday life. If you're in a relationship with a partner, with your children, 
your friends, those people that you keep around you in your social circle. And I want you to think into, I'm hanging out, I'm chit-chatting with my friends, or a bill arrives in the mail, an unexpected bill arrives in the mail. My partner and I open this envelope and we get hit with this photo radar ticket. I guess, you know, whatever it is, whatever this bill that arrives in the mail, those things so seem to happen. The Lindsay's like, me too. Those seem to happen with me. I did Calgary has cameras everywhere and I'm not used to it. So at a hundred and something bucks a month, I learned my lesson. <laughs> I know where all the right cameras are all over Calgary. Um, so whatever the, whatever that arrives, what's your instant reaction? So I want you to think now. Uh, maybe three, four, five things that are common phrases or words that you catch yourself or the people you surround yourself with commonly using when discussing money. Do you and your friends often, we should go to Mexico on a girl's trip. Oh, can't afford it. Too broke. Mm -hmm. What's the common phrase that you often hear in your environment? Do you tell your kids, we can't afford that we're broke? I wish I could, but we need to get the cheaper one. Stop asking me for things. I don't have any money. What are those instant go-to responses? Okay. Think about your friends. How do you sit and chat around your friends? All of those things. Exactly. And we're just going to go into our energy of self and work on reprogramming our money story and just changing what we have looping in the background. So the first thing that you can do, if you get really emotional and things start to come up for you, you can take your big toes and push them down into the ground. And then you can take a nice big breath in, fill up your whole rib cage, hold it. And then when you're ready, you're going to breathe out your mouth all the way down to the bottom of your feet. Pause. Push your big toes down to the ground. Breathe back in your nose again. Fill up your whole rib cage. Hold it. Breathe out your mouth all the way down to the bottom of your feet. Pause. Push your big toes down to the ground. Now, this has a physical effect in your body. We're actually shutting off your vagus nerve, which is your fight or flight reflex. So this allows you to just stay present in the moment with the work that we're doing. And I'm going to get you to repeat after me. So hopefully you're all on mute. But I'm going to get you to repeat after me. When you say it out loud, oh, thanks, Lindsay. When you say it out loud, auditory goes into your ears, ears goes into your brain, brain goes into the cells of your body, and it recycles through your whole system. So it is more powerful if you do say it out loud. If you don't and you just think it and feel it in your heart, that also works too. So I'm going to get you guys to repeat after me. I forgive myself for believing. I forgive myself for believing. That making money. That making money. Will be painful. Will be painful. And I forgive myself for believing. And I forgive myself for believing. The only way to make money. The only way to make money. Is through working hard. Is through working hard. Self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing. Giving up the things that matter most to me. Giving up the things that matter most to me. <laughs> I'm going to get you guys to learn and focus on how to reframe your thoughts. So in the first portion, we really honed in on what are some of those thoughts that are automatically playing in the background that you don't even realize that you're hitting click run on daily. 
Now that you're aware, so you can refer back to those answers on how some of those are running in your life, I'm going to show you how you can quickly reframe them in the moment and catch yourself. This works with any unhealthy thought pattern, okay? Today, we're we're working up with money, but do this with anything. Do this with exercise, food, sex, relationships. I don't care what it is. If you have an unhealthy thought pattern, you can flip this and change it. So today, we're going to work with money. Now, what is an unhelpful thought, Lindsay, that you noticed popped for you while we were doing these exercises? So when I asked you, what was one of those programs that popped up that was running? Some of them could be, um, I'd rather focus on, on having fun than making money or, you know, money can't buy happiness or whatever it might be. What was a program that ran for you that you caught yourself automatically saying? Um, yeah, it was both of those kind of over oh. and over again. <laughs> okay, perfect. Mostly, mostly the money can't buy me happiness because I pride myself on being a minimalist. I don't really need anything. I like camping. I always joke that I want to just move to the bush and like be a bush woman, probably start a colony with other fun ladies too, and like make my own beer and stuff. But yeah, money can't buy me happiness is the one that definitely came up. Okay, perfect. So money can't buy me happiness is the one we're going to use for this exercise. Now, the key word in her sentence, money can't buy me happiness is happiness. Okay, so she can't have, remember the and question, she can't have money and happiness at the same time. In order for her to achieve money, she has to give up happiness. So she would have to be struggling, working hard. You know, all the miserable emotions are connected to money for her. So what's your sentence? Write that down. Money can't buy me happiness is hers. The and is money and happiness. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to focus on the word happiness. And I'm going to ask her. How is she currently achieving happiness then? Because if she doesn't think she's allowed to access it through money, what is she using instead to achieve her happiness? So when I ask you, what are you currently doing right now in your life, Lindsay, that makes you happy? There's literally what? nothing that I'm doing in my life that doesn't involve money, like beer, books, traveling. Okay. I don't know, like, you know, new gadgets, laptops things that I like, um, new hair extensions, new clothes, like literally nothing that I like even going camping, you know, gas in the vehicle, all the food and booze I need to take with me to keep myself happy while I'm camping. Um, new hiking shoes to go hiking with my friends. Like it all costs money. So that's the, that's very interesting. Hello, Fempreneurs. This is Laura, producer of the Fempreneur podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to hang out with Lindsay and I and other women like you, head over to femteen.com. We'd love to help you grow your business. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.